Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today, I've got a treat for you. We are digging in to a merchant success story. And not only is this story inspirational and fun and enlightening, uh, but, but this guy is like, he's young and he's making it happen. He's got a couple of business ventures out here. He's winning awards. And so you're going you're gonna to learn a lot. And this is going to be a really fun conversation. This episode of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce Resources. That's right. Here at OMG Commerce, we want to help make sure you're educated and in the know to capitalize on the latest tips, tricks, and strategies to help you grow your e-commerce business. So if you go to omgcommerce.com and under resources, click on guides, we have some cutting edge free information for you on things like how to dominate with Amazon DSP ads or how to use Amazon sponsor brand video ads and how to craft the perfect ad. We have several guides on how to capitalize on YouTube ads from creating the perfect ad to knowing when you're ready to scale. Plus there's the newly updated Google shopping guide plus more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com and click on guides under resources. And now back to the show. So I've got with me on the podcast today, Mr. Josh Martin, and Josh is the founder of Rollin' Blue. It's a barbecue brand, uh, largely on Amazon. We'll, we'll kind of break that down. And then he's the co-founder of Blank Wines. Now, Josh is 24 years old, and he's got these two successful businesses. Uh, and and I found out, so I got to hang out with, with Josh at Ryan Daniel Moran's uh, Lake House. He's part of the Capitalism Fund, uh, as am I, and... This dude knows a lot about wine. I was grilling him all my uh, uh, burning wine questions, and he knows so much about wine. It's crazy. Uh, so anyway, with that intro, Josh, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Brett. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here and, you know, hopefully share some stuff that, you know, help some people out. Absolutely. It's going to be good, going to be fun. So I want to, I want to talk about, so you won, you won this contest that Ryan Moran uh, laid out. And I want to kind of go through that story in a minute. But but prior to, you know, getting into e-commerce, what were you doing? And then what kind of got you interested in the e-commerce game? So as you, as you said, uh, I'm fairly young. I'm 24. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, before, uh, before I really got into e-commerce, I was uh, still in college. And... Yeah. Really, I mean, I always knew from a young age that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. Uh, I started out like flipping stuff on Craigslist and eBay in you know high school, and you know went to college, uh, studied wine and viticulture there, and had a couple Which, of internships. I didn't even know it was a thing. So you you had a degree in wine, correct? Yes, or wine. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a better better name for it, more technical name for that. But. The, yeah, the technical name is uh, wine and viticulture, and uh, it goes through the business aspects of wine because they have their own whole complicated mess in the wine industry. Um, then there's viticulture, which is like growing of the grapes, and then there's enology, which is the winemaking. So I concentrate on the business side, but you know I learned a little bit of everything. Uh, so you know I'm going through school, and I start get a couple internships and then instantly I just knew like this 
I, I don't know how the corporate world's going to go. <laughs> yeah, like it's going to last too long. <laughs> yeah. So some entrepreneurship in your family too, right? Like your, your grandfather owns a, a winery or something like that, right? Uh, yeah, vineyard. I mean, he was a serial entrepreneur as well. So I think that's kind of where the bug comes from. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a whole whole nother story. He came over from Mexico with uh, pretty much nothing, and then ended his life with a few properties, few businesses, and just uh, amazing, amazing story. Uh, so that's kind of where I draw some inspiration from, for sure. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I was just going going through and realized, like, hey, uh, I've always wanted to do something. I'm kind of doing some stuff on the side. But I was just looking for, you know, something that I could really sink my teeth into. And I was looking into, you know, real estate and investing and swing trading and got into crypto for a little bit. I tried probably, like, five or six different things. And um, I found e-commerce and kind of this, you know, starting your online business. And, you know, when I first got into it, I was just like, I just jumped in head first and I was like, oh, it's a side hustle. It's this, it's that, you know, arbitrage on Amazon. And then I started realizing like, oh, wait, no, this is a entire business where you can build a brand and you can actually make a difference and help people along from point A to point B instead of just, you know, oh, I'm going to, flip this, buy it cheap and then resell right. it, you know, but really actually make a difference. So that's kind of when I just realized that I fell in love with e-commerce and creating business and creating change for people. And, um, kind of the first time that materialized, um, was with the barbecue company. So I've always, you know, along with wine, I've always loved cooking. Uh, it kind of go hand in hand. I just love it. Totally yeah. Food. I mean, you, People drink wine while they cook, you know, pairing wine with food, the, the whole ambiance of, uh, you know, smoking meat and drinking wine. It's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, grilling is something that I, I always loved. And, you know, I kind of jumped into that and got a little bit, you know, one step deeper into it. And then I found uh, smoking and I was like looking for you know, a place that kind of was a crossover of like what something that I enjoyed. Cause you know, when you start a business, you're just immersed in whatever category that is and whatever person that is and whoever you're trying to serve. So it's like, it helps if you enjoy it, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, totally. It helps, yeah, it helps you relate to the customer better. It helps you get through the grind, the long nights, the long hours. If you at least somewhat enjoy the product and, and resonate, it resonates with you, then yeah, it makes it the whole process easier for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So, so let's talk about, uh, so you want a contest. Uh, so talk about the contest that Ryan Moran uh, put together and, and what was that process like? And I kind of want to preface this by saying, hey, I, you know, I, I talked to a lot of listeners of this podcast. And I know we've got some people listen to the podcast that have an eight-figure business. I've got a lot of friends and people that are having, you know, seven-figure, large seven-figure exits right now. What's cool is I think we can learn a lot from somebody who's scrapping and someone who's just going for it and figuring stuff out like Josh. And you're getting some serious traction with these businesses. And so um, just want to kind of preface what we're about to talk about with that. Uh, but what was what was this contest that Ryan Moran threw out? And, and how did you go about, you know, winning and dominating this thing? Yeah, so I guess it was, it was right when I, I mean, it was just perfectly timed. Um, one of my friends told me about Ryan started listening to some of his content, like the third podcast I listened to. He brought up this contest that he was putting on. Um, and I think this was when he was 
writing his book. So his book is 12 months to a million. Great book. Uh, kind of lays out the whole, the whole, the whole game plan. That's helped me a lot. But, um, in the beginning that was before that was released, he was, you know, laying out that structure, but you know, in the form of a contest, you know, if you go through the course, submit an application and we're going to have a reward for a few businesses that, you know, take action, find, find their person, really speak to that person. And then, uh, I just took that and totally ran with it and kind of, kind of funny. It was based off of a voting system. Um, and you know, I made spent a lot of time thinking of, you know, who I want to serve, how I want to serve them, um, writing out the business plan. What's the first product? What's kind of that gateway product that's going to help me, you know, or help this person get to where they want to go and what's going to be product two, three, four, five. Um, because it, happens a lot easier if you're really thinking about who and what their goals are. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the, what comes becomes much clearer and is much easier when you, when you get a clear picture of the who. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So yeah, just running with that. And then, um, you know, you put some of the little marketing knowledge I had at that point behind it to, uh, you know, start a Facebook group, run a couple of giveaways, start building an email list, doing all that, uh, all that fun stuff. And, to to my surprise, actually, actually won. um, I think there was over 300 contestants. So I was, uh, not, I was like, Oh, well, we'll, we'll see if I win. I'm still going to, you know, give it my all. Yeah. And then I did. And that kind of, that one of the prizes was a little bit of a capital investment. And then the thing that was really helpful was, getting into the incubator, which is Ryan's, um, kind of back room for, uh, new businesses. So that's just been amazing meeting so many different, uh, people who are starting brands and just learning from them, you know, just sharing what I learn and just, uh, a great community to, to build on really help each other out. Yeah, it's amazing. And it got you into, you know, the, the, the group that's around the capitalism fund and some pretty established folks. And, and that's, that's how I met you. And so, yeah, I got to hang out with, you got to hang out with Ryan Moran more. And like, so, so some really cool things happening because you, you're just hustling, man, and, you, and, you're, and you're making it happen. And so uh, a few things that really struck me when, when you and I were hanging out in Austin and chatting, uh, one was your extensive knowledge of wine. And, and so I was fascinated by that. But two, also your approach to um, product development and, and getting feedback from your customers, so really understanding the who as you were developing it. So, so talk about that product uh, process. So you've got Rolling Blue. Uh, what was your first product, and how did you utilize that customer feedback to refine and really kind of nail that that product? Yeah, so this is a good story. Um, <laughs> the way I do it now is because I did it completely wrong the first time. <laughs> so when I, when I won that competition, I was actually going through, I didn't even win yet. I was like, speed, speed, speed. I got to get something up. I got to get something moving. That's how I'm going to learn. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like just let's get it up and go. So I started with a grill brush, which is a good product, but grill you know, got it. Okay. and you know, it had a, it had some uniqueness to it. So there's, there's an issue with, uh, wire bristle grill brushes and they can break off into your, when you're cleaning onto your grill, you put a piece of meat down, get stuck in the meat, 
your kid eats it, someone eats it, it gets stuck in their throat. It happens thousands of times a year. So that was kind of the first thing. I was like, problem, solution, no more bristles with this brush that I'm creating. But, uh, you know, I went to a manufacturer uh, in China and I just went for speed. I ordered some samples of a couple and just picked one. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's, let's learn as I go. And, um, you know, launched the product, learned a bunch about Amazon pay-per-click and, you know, kind of building an audience for pre-launch, different things like that. But once I actually started getting a little bit of momentum, uh, I got the, uh, terrible email that no one wants to get from Amazon saying your product is suspended. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to believe that. It's, it's never like, fun. That's the stuff nightmares are made of, right? You know, you got Amazon sellers waking up in a cold sweat, you know, <laughs> imagining they got that email. Yeah. So went into, you know, research mode. All right, I got to figure out why. And I was actually infringing on a patent. The way the uh, brush head wrapped, the coil wrapped around the metal, someone actually had a patent on that. So that was kind of the way to do it all wrong. I had to pull everything. <laughs> I still had 400 units left or something. Um, and that got me thinking like, you know what? I was getting okay traction on Amazon with pay-per-click, just kind of playing that game. But the people in my group and other groups that I would talk to, um, other Facebook groups, not just the one that I own, but people weren't that excited about a, a brush people were like oh i like brush. this method yeah i like this method i like this method i like this so next time i was like all right well i want to do it right so i started going into all these different facebook groups and um that was the first place and i just started posting as myself and just saying what is the single thing that's helped you become a better smoker better barbecuer mm-hmm. better griller and great question, great question. Yeah, and, and again, again, one understanding, hey, if, 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 the, if the goal here is to build a brand and not to launch one product, but three, four, and five, understanding that a lot of people, their grill brush, eh, I don't really care, right? It's just, it's just the, the thing. Like, who, who knows the brand of their grill brush? I don't know, probably almost nobody, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a pretty interchangeable. But so you have the courage to ask the question. You also, I will say, like, just moving fast, there is something to be said about that, and especially when you're young, you're trying to figure things out. Sometimes you just got to go for it and you're going to make mistakes anyway. So while you should have checked a few things a little closer, of course, um, there is something to be said about, about speed. So, uh, you know, uh, that, that's, that's certainly worth noting. So, okay, cool. So now you're reaching out and you're saying, hey, what made you a better smoker? Awesome question. So then what did you find through that process? Yeah, so I talked to a few. I did some polls. I just messaged some people, um, talked to a few hundred people online and uh, the one thing that keep kept coming up over and over again was uh, a thermometer and uh at that oh wireless yeah yeah because i mean really it's just kind of a guessing game at that point like you just the internal temperature is you know you might think it's it's something and it might not be. <laughs> and yeah. Can, Which is like, just by the way, like as a quick side note, so I love to grill. Uh, I've got a great outdoor kitchen now and I set up uh, the key to cooking, grilling good chicken, right? I used to, I used to have people tell me, hey, you just, you, you feel the chicken. You got to get a feel for what it feels like when it's done. And like that sort of works, but inevitably you're going to overcook it. 
good chicken. You get you you cook it to like 150, 155. Take it off, wrap it. It will the the residual heat inside of it will get it to the 165, which is the desired temperature. Perfect mm-hmm. grilled chicken. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> but, but without the thermometer, like you, you can't do that, right? Uh, it's all just guessing, and and you're gonna mess up. Yeah, and the I mean, even worse than overcooked chicken is undercooked chicken. Much rather the overcooked chicken than to uh, yeah miss work from uh, uh, food poisoning. For sure, so. <laughs> But <laughs> so you heard, so you heard thermometers and then, and then, so, but what, what made you think, okay, well, this is a product, this is a business versus this is another thing that while it's important, nobody really identifies with the brand or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the, after talking to people, I realized like that was the, that, that was the, the key thing that, uh, you know, people really help people. And, you know, that's what I wanted to, wanted to be in the earlier part of that journey. So that was kind of the first thing said, like got them excited and helped them so much. So it's like, if I can be at that point, you know, that person might not be to the point where they're buying other products, like the higher end, uh, knives for trimming big cuts of meat or brisket or something. But, you know, all these cool things that I want to do in the future, uh, with a little bit more high end, touch to it that is more niche but this is like the good first step that like someone's yeah. kind of making that that effort to to upgrade their skill so i wanted to be at that first position and that's kind of where i thought of thought thought it was in my mind um, not so early like the grill brush where you know anybody could be getting a grill brush but someone who's you know making that extra effort to to improve their cooking and i i guess the the brand building piece kind of happened a little bit after that. So, I mean, talking to people definitely helped me get my who, but it was a little bit later once I had built up an email list where I, I started doing some, some surveys, just asking people general questions about, Hey, why do you like grilling? What's, what's your favorite thing to cook? Who do you cook with? What time, you know, what days do you cook? Stuff like that. Um, and one of the, the two, the two big things that you know, like the, the why, 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 when you start getting down to it was connection. So creating mm-hmm. memories really was what it was, is, you know, when you get people together to cook out, usually the family, yeah. friends, enjoying yourself. And then the second piece was stress relief, which mm-hmm. was not like a immediate one that I came to, but, you know, after talking to a lot of people, it was like, it's almost like a therapeutic thing. Like, you know, it takes it is, so many, so many hours to smoke, you know, especially something like a brisket. I mean, you could be, could be on for 18 hours and it's just kind of like this hobby focused thing that you just enjoy doing, perfecting the craft, you know? Exactly. There's, there's art to it. There's science to it. There's, there's the challenge. There's the the care and attention that goes into getting it right. And then there's also the reward. There's the feedback of, hey, this turned out amazing or it didn't. And, and then you you learn from it. And and yeah, that's just that's just so cool. I guess uh, that, that really does uh, explain why barbecuing is so magical to, to a lot of people. So um, cool. So then what did you kind of what did you kind of get right in in the beginning? So what did you kind of nail with this with this product and, and with this approach? Uh, with the product, I guess just, um, 
well, with the, the second product, <laughs> I made sure to right. do all of I made sure to do all of my research <laughs> uh, in terms of patents, really talking to my supplier, um, dialing it in, and then actually what what I did what I didn't do the first time that helped me a lot was uh, beta testers. So I have a mini group of I think it's about twenty people right now. Uh, so it's separate from like my big Facebook group where that's kind of more community. We're looking for people to share recipes, share what they've cooked, share pictures, all that. This one's a little bit more targeted at like kind of research and development. We actually send out some products at cost to people, uh, and they can use it and then we get their feedback and then they say, I like this, I don't like this. And then we can kind of take that into account and that has been extremely helpful before in that, you know, development phase before we actually go out and, you know, launch the product and do our first inventory run. Um, that's been extremely helpful. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where, you know, getting, getting products right is so hard and to do, to try to do it without feedback and without a community and without, people sharing with you. I mean, it, that's, that's really tricky. So in fact, talk about now, uh, this is exciting. You just launched um, a line of meat rubs, right? A pack of three meat rubs, which was super cool. Mm-hmm. And you and I were actually talking about this when we, when we were in Austin. And and uh, I've, I, I kind of like, and then I even did this this poll one time just with friends, like, hey, what, what style of barbecue do you like best? Do you like KC style? My family's from Kansas City. I am too. Go Chiefs. Uh, do you like KC style? Do you like Memphis style? Are you like a Carolina barbecue? Are you a Texas barbecue? I will say, I like all of it. I tend to be more of a, a meat rub fan. So like KC style is usually sauce based, which is great too. Like I'll take that as well. But I, after mm-hmm. hanging out in Austin some, man, it's hard to beat like Texas style barbecue. But but anyway, you, uh, I digress here. Uh, I like this topic too much. You, you, said, you kind of pulled your eyes and you're like, hey, I'm going to do a Carolina rub and a, and a Memphis rub and whatever. And like people are like, no, 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 I don't care about that. Uh, you want to talk about that experience? Yeah. Yeah. So I like with the rubs, um, is going to be, I guess, technically the third product, which we just launched today. And, you know, in the research phase of that, I thought, like you said, it'd be super cool to do like, uh, like a USA pack almost where it's like all these different regions of Memphis, Carolina, Kansas city, Texas, um, even in California, like Santa Maria for like tri-tip. I thought that'd be awesome, but that's not what the people wanted. <laughs> so I, yeah. I went to, <laughs> I went into my group and, you know, I put out the ideas and was talking to people and they were just like, Nope, we'd rather have like overwhelmingly the people were like, no, I'd rather have it be uh, meat based. So pork, yeah. uh, pork, fish, chicken, uh, all purpose beef. And I was like, well, i Hey, I mean, these are the, these are my customers and, you know, they, they know what they want. And, you know, I'm, I'm only working on assumptions. I, I can, at the end of the day, it's like, it's not necessarily about me. I might think that I have a good idea, but I don't think I'm ever going to put my quote unquote good idea above the feedback that I'm getting because that's really what it's about. Yeah, and that takes some that takes some humility, and it takes understanding, and it's one of those things where, yeah, I think it's kind of there, there's like this this intrigue and this this magic about different styles and like the rich history of barbecue in different regions of the United States, but but most people were just like, no, I need to know, like, do I put this on 
beef or do I put this on chicken, right? And, and even people that are really trying to get good at smoking and grilling, they still want to know what meat do I put this on, right? They, they, they want to get it right mm -hmm. if they can. And so, yeah, kudos to you for asking and then and then pivoting and, and giving the people what they want. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then I took that a step further because I was like, well, if they want it to just be cut and dry, here's how it is. So, you know, I was talking to people and, you know, kind of the next progression of what you do in a cook, you know, you get your meat, you season it, and then what's the next thing? You put on, you got to choose your wood, put it on the smoker, whether it's pellets or uh, an actual chunks of wood or whatever. Chunks of wood, yeah. So then I was like, all right, well, let's do a little research and see which smoke would pair best with these rubs. And that's kind of, that was another, another fun thing to do. A lot of, a lot of testing on that. A lot of, a lot of rubs, <laughs> ribs. Dude, that's and, fun, man. Yeah. That, that is a, that is a, a labor of love right there. So then you're able to put on the packaging, Hey, this, this beef rub really pairs well with these, with these wood varieties and things. Exactly. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Cool. So let's, uh, let, let's do, let's do, uh, some kind of fun. You talked about, Hey, I made this mistake. Didn't look at trademarks for my first product. What were some other kind of mistakes made that, that you learned from? Cause we all like to learn. We all like to hear kind of failure stories, right? They're always, sometimes painful to relive, but we all learn from them. So other mistakes you made kind of in the early days. Yeah. So one of the, one of the good ones is, uh, you know, influencer marketing, the, the ever, the ever changing influencer space where it's hard to lock down influencers and that's going to be the person to take you to the next level. And they, I think they can be, but in the beginning, I thought it was just as simple as, you know, you reach out to someone, you pay them for a post and then boom, magic traffic comes and then sales and it's great. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I guess when I, when I was in that naive place, I reached out to someone. It's kind of embarrassing to say, but it was a uh, babes for Trump, uh, page <laughs> on babes, babes for Trump. Instagram page. Yeah. And my, <laughs> my thinking was for the barbecue, uh, for the barbecue the thermometer or the, the grill brush. This is in the, the grill brush days still. Yeah. And this was, uh, when I was like, you know, it's predominantly men who are interested in barbecue and right, right, it was maybe. like the, the demographic fit, but the psychographic, didn't really overlap yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah yeah and that was the full that was really the big takeaway it's like you know i paid someone that just for three posts and it just bombed each time like people no, no, no lift in sales <laughs> nothing nothing happened yeah no i asked for the metrics after the first one and he sent me those and they were like like 10 people clicked on an account that was like <laughs> eighty thousand people and <laughs> After that, he wouldn't even send me <laughs> the next two. <laughs> so yeah, it was probably like yeah, zero. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. the big learning experience was, you know, it's it's really about the the engagement and the the connection that that person, that that influencer, that thought leader has with with their audience. It's gotta be more than just, you know, a oh, babes yeah. for Trump with Instagram bikini pics on there you know it's got to actually be a 
behind, you know, there's got to be some, some more to it. And that was a, a great learning experience. And luckily it didn't happen when I was at a way bigger size and I was trying to do it with a much larger um, yeah, totally. yeah, you were at the right stage. First of all, the product you realize you're going to pivot away from, you're at the right stage to make that mistake, right? So it's not, and there's a good reminder that, that influencer marketing is not just about follower count. It's not just about do the demographics line up, but yeah, do the psychographics line up and, and why are people, you know, looking at the babes for Trump page? Like it's because they're just enjoying the pictures. They're not really in the right frame of mind to buy and stuff like that. So yeah, understanding the psychographics and is there trust there? You know, am I, mm -hmm. am I looking for recommendations from this influencer in a particular category? So yeah, hey, we all we all have those thoughts of yeah, all we need is influencer marketing. All we need is a YouTube ad, and we're you know it's going to go viral. And yeah, it's never quite that simple. So, <laughs> yeah, totally, but totally makes sense. What it what it did lead me to was you know thinking thinking deeper of like what's actually going to help someone and how can I use that in my marketing and eventually what that led me to was uh, creating an ebook called the brisket blueprint uh, which is that's like the the toughest thing for it's like the the hallmark of a of a great smoker just like their brisket that's kind of what people yes in yes. the in the space kind of judge it on you know because it's the hardest thing to cook so a lot of people had, you know, difficulties. There's a million different ways to do it. Oh, this way works the best. That way works the best. So I put together about a 20 page ebook of kind of a collection of all these different recipes in a one. I did some testing with it and it, it really is doing very well right now. So that's kind of my main lead source that I'm using right now. And I mean, I'm getting, 25 cent opt-ins uh, actually no way. last so you're running week Facebook ad to to get the to get the free brisket blueprint and then you're you're uh talking about thermometers and other things from there yeah yeah so that's kind of the like right now my two primary advertising channels is the lead lead magnet email list building um on facebook and then uh, pay-per-click on amazon but yeah just building building up that. And then right now I'm actually working with the rubs. One of the reasons that I was really excited to launch the rubs is, uh, a free plus shipping offer on like a little sampler pack. So that's the plan is to put that as the second page after the brisket blueprint opt-in where they get that via email, they go yeah, through the whole email yeah. sequence, but have that be right after. So I can kind of start, um, you know, building, building that customer list and, it's nice to have a uh, consumable where, you know, someone can taste it. They can see the quality, the flavor profile, all that good stuff, and then get them in quick. And then on the back end, you know, get that customer lifetime value up. So, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And, and so how is that free plus shipping offer going or did you just start that? So I've not launched it yet. Um, okay. I'm in, uh, cause I just, I just launched the rubs today actually. So like right, pretty much right as we, uh, hopped on this podcast, the, the first email was getting sent out in that, uh, sequence. So well, cool. I'm excited to check after the call. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't, I can't wait to hear how that's going. I can't wait to try the rubs as well. So let's do this. We, we don't have a ton of time left. I wanted to spend most of the time on, on kind of the building of the, the barbecue brand and just, just love what you've done there. 
uh, in the way you're learning from failures, but also like learning from your customers and pivoting and just all the things you're doing there. Uh, but let's talk about blank wines. So what, what was the kind of the genesis for the idea behind blank wines? Because uh, I think that's a fascinating story. Yeah, so the idea for blank wines actually started in college. Uh, so, you know, studying wine, we were learning. It, it was one day I was just talking to, well, now my co-founder, uh, Lars, and we are just chatting and we are just like, it's kind of crazy that there's an entire major for beverage, <laughs> like a whole college major, not just at Cal Poly, but there's like, I think almost 10 schools now that have wine. I think there are a lot of college students would say they majored in beer as an example, but I don't, I don't think it's quite the same as what you're talking about. So, yeah. <laughs> almost the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So we're, we're just kind of like, yeah, this is kind of crazy. It's, it shouldn't be, this complicated because at the end of the day it's a beverage and there's there's like two main problems that we were talking about when the idea came up was accessibility or lack of accessibility to boutique craft small production wines and where you really find that passionate winemaker who's excited about it and then the second piece was kind of the just snobbiness you know like wine always has this unapproachable am i doing this right is this the right way to hold the glass do i have to smell it before how do i spin it all like just all these questions it's like the end of the day it's just do you like it or do you not like it (laughs) yeah i love that so much wine is fairly unapproachable and it is a little bit pretentious and snobby right so it's hard for Mm -hmm. the average consumer uh, but yeah, and, 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 you know, you and I had a fascinating conversation talking about how, you know, hey, most of the wines you find on the grocery store shelves are probably all coming from like the same vineyards. Like it's all basically the same stuff, right? So it's hard to experience this craft wine that's, that's uh, you know, a lot of passion and expertise goes into to, to, uh, making it. Um, and then it's got to be easy to consume too, right? So, so what's kind of the the value prop of blank wines? What do you guys do to to solve those problems? Yeah, so kind of the ideas. Well, one for the accessibility is shipping directly to your door. So most wine that you get at the grocery store is made in these gigantic, gigantic vats that are a hundred feet tall and you could probably have a three, a bottle of wine for the rest of your life and never even finish one of those <laughs> per day and never even yeah. finish one of those vats. It's just a astronomical amount. And what happens when you make wine in that big of volume is you lose the depth, you lose the character, the nuance and kind of the, the fun part about wine because wine's a living organism you know it's ever changing in the bottle that's why when you age a wine for 30 years it tastes different than what right when you bottle it so kind of the idea is to give people access to these small production wines that have this beautiful character and passion behind them but without having the issue of coming out to the wine industry which by wine industry i mean napa sonoma uh, are like the main two in the U S and, you know, by the time you come out, you get your flight, 
you go through everything, it's going to be a $3,000 weekend. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a lot easier if you can experience kind of that and it, the comfort of your home with your, with your friends. Yep. It's cool. Uh, yeah, I love it. And, and, uh, so I am not a wine connoisseur. I do enjoy wine. I've had a couple of expensive bottles of wine and I can't really say that I've got a defined palate at all, but I can tell like, whoa, this was really quality wine versus say, I won't pick on any particular brands, but, uh, you know, the stuff you buy at the grocery store for 10 bucks, like you can, you can definitely tell the difference. Um, so then what about like the approachability? Cause you guys do something really interesting with you, with the, the label and, and then also why do you call it blank wines? Yeah. So I'll start with, uh, approachability. So kind of, there's a lot of questions surrounding wine and we thought you never, there's not much transparency. You never really know what you're getting in the bottle. You don't have to put really anything on the bottle except for the percent of alcohol, uh, where it comes from and, what varietal, but what most wineries do is they put that stuff really small in the back and you don't even know. You just see pretty label with cool artwork and then you buy that and the wine's kind of the afterthought. So what we wanted to do and what we're doing is we wanted, we want to bring wine to the forefront of that. So you're buying the wine itself. You're paying for the quality. You're paying for the actual wine. You're not paying for the label. So we took a modern simple, almost educational approach to the label, which has the biggest thing on it is the varietal. And then under you have the descriptors of what it smells like, what it tastes like, and kind of the texture that you get. So some examples of like texture would be uh, kind of like if it's a big bodied wine, it kind of has that weight to it. So it could say something like bold. And then that's the front. And then even on the back, we have more descriptors of, I guess what we, there's, there's four pieces of, of wine that are kind of characteristics across everything. And it's, you know, sweetness, body, tannin and acidity. So we broke that down and every wine that we have, the back of the label is consistent. So if you like a big bodied wine, you can look at the back of the label and you can see, all right, this has a big body and low sweetness. And I like that other one that had a three on sweetness and a one on body or, you know, vice versa, whatever it is. So you can figure out, um, navigate if you're going to like it or not based yeah. off of yeah. everything else that you have. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, exactly. So then you, you begin to understand your palate and, and really, yeah, the ultimate question is not how expensive it was or what the label looks like. It's, did you enjoy it? And if you enjoyed it, great, then get more. And, and then here's how to, to know what you liked so you can find more of it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's awesome. Kudos to you guys. I hope it's a smashing success. So, uh, Joshua, we're, we're kind of running out of time here. If someone's listening, first of all, now that, you know we're kind of ending the day here, my day, and it's a little bit earlier for you there in Napa, but uh, I want to have a glass of wine and go smoke some meat or something. But uh, <laughs> if, if people are listening and they think, okay, I, I, I need to check out both, you know, maybe the, the, the meat rubs and the thermometer, how can they learn more about Roland Blue? Yeah, so Roland Blue, where you have our website at uh, Roland Blue. So R-O-L-L-I-N-B-L-U-E.com. And uh, we're also on Amazon. So you can just go ahead and search Roll and Blue Barbecue on there as well. And then for uh, 
wine where for blank wines we're at blankwines.com so b-l-a-n-k wines.com awesome love it man hey really appreciate the time appreciate you doing this i think a couple of key takeaways is man listen to your customer be willing to pivot as you get the feedback i think ask great questions you're asking such good questions right like what made you a better barbecuer why do you barbecue in the first place? Like all, all of those things are brilliant. And then I just love, I, I get this sense, Josh, that you're fearless. Like you just get out there and do it. You're young, but you're like, man, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go fast. I'm going to, I'm going to maybe break things to use kind of the, the Facebook mantra, go fast and break things. Uh, but you're going to learn and you're going to grow. And, and uh, kudos to you, man. Uh, you, you're doing so good with the barbecue business and the wine business. And I can't wait to, to watch you continue to grow. Thanks, Brett. It uh, really means a lot coming from you. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for, for having me on. Absolutely. So check it out. Go get you some barbecue stuff or uh, a glass, a bottle, several bottles of, of uh, <laughs> craft winery, craft wine, and uh, enjoy that. And so, uh, Josh, we appreciate it, man. It's a ton of fun. We'll have to do it again. So we'll have to do like an update edition uh, here in a few months. Yeah, I'd love that. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. All right. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. What would you like to hear more of on the podcast? Give us your feedback. Hey, leave a review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast app. It means a ton to me. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, man, that's a wrap. It is At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.